Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning again, everyone. It's good to have you with us. I'll try that again. Good morning again, everyone. Oh, I like that. That's so much better right there. Um, Today we're going to talk about every word of God is tested. It's our second part of the study of the life of Joseph, okay? Um, Really quick, how many of you enjoy, in school, you enjoy taking tests? Keep them, I want to count, okay? You're raising his hand for him, okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, three in a row there, ten... 11, 12, 13, 14. How many do not, did not enjoy taking tests? You don't enjoy it, right? Okay, you know what? You're in the wrong place this morning, okay? Because we're going to talk about taking tests, all right? Um, I, I be on, I've always enjoyed taking tests. There's two reasons why I like it. Because whatever reason, God has given me the ability to memorize. I can just memorize stuff. I can just remember it. And I can memorize it pretty quick. But the other thing I like about taking tests is they are challenges to me. Amen? And how many of you raise your hand who like tests? Your challenge is you want to destroy everyone in the class. Any, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Right, my team is here, okay? That's my team. I'm highly competitive. So I like tests, and I've always enjoyed them. So today, we're going to talk about the testing part now that Joseph is entering into. It's the part that, frankly, we're not crazy about, but if you're going to ascend anywhere in life and be elevated to any position in life, you're going to go through tests. Any amens on that one? Now, let me show you something that I warmed up two years ago when I first learned it from someone. Proverbs 30 and verse 5 And it says this, and I would ask you to read it out loud with me. I'll count to three. Here we go. One, two, three. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Now, keep it there for a second. Now, when the word word there means utterance or command. So God gives an utterance. God gives a command. He gave Joseph a dream. It's a command. But every word that God gives us vision, dream, word, direction, it's going to be tested. And the word tested there is an interesting Hebrew word. It means to purge. It means to refine by fire. Now, we don't like stuff like that when we're in it, but it sounds real cool when we're teaching it, right? But we're going to go through it. And so, if you think about it, God is going to, during the test time, He's going to purge things out of us that will hurt us in the long run, in the testing times. But he's going to prep in things, prepare things in us in the testing times. That's kind of like the refinement of your natural God-given gifts and abilities. So there's a purging out and there's a prepping in. Let me show you how life works. Something I I learned a long time ago from someone else and... um, but I can see it in Scripture, and I can back it up in Scripture. Joseph gets a dream. Remember that last week? Say yes, please, someone. Okay, good. You were here, some of you. Good. 
Um, so Joseph gets the dream. I'm going to be elevated above my brothers. Second dream, I'm going to be elevated above my brothers and my parents. The family, he tells the brothers, dumb move, right? They find out, and now if they hated him before, they really hate him now, huh? And so they decide, sell him off, Ishmaelite traders. They sell him, he goes to Egypt, and he is sold into the home of a man named Potiphar. So if you think about that, he goes from vision, all of a sudden, there's death of vision, right? This is not going to happen. How could it possibly happen? Now, think about this. I've watched this in my own life. You know this, some of you. You get a vision from God. This is the direction of my life. Is there excitement to a vision? Yeah, you feel good about it. But then when you embark, how many have experienced things go sideways? Things go wrong. And you begin to wonder, well, maybe that wasn't God. Maybe that wasn't the vision. And now I'm not liking life. And then you keep moving. If you stick with it, then there'll be supernatural resurrection of the vision if you stick with it. How do I know this to be a fact, not just from my own experience? Because Joseph. Joseph gets the dream, does he not? Everything goes sideways. Death of vision, is there not? But if you know the story, you keep moving with Joseph, he plays his cards right, and then there's supernatural resurrection of the vision. Death of vision, I'm sorry, vision, death of vision, supernatural resurrection. The disciples, did they have vision one day? They, oh my gosh, they one day said, we think the kingdom of God is going to happen right now. Remember that? And then it didn't. And what happens to Jesus? They kill him. So now the vision's over. And for three days they're hiding. Three days they're in fear. Three days it's over. And then what does Jesus go and do? He resurrects from the dead. Supernatural resurrection of the vision. I could take you with Moses. Moses. Moses knew he was a deliverer the first round in Egypt. Did you know that? Read the book of Acts. You find out in a message there that Moses believed he was a deliverer. He knew it. So he has vision. And then what does he go and do to fulfill the vision? He goes and kills who? An Egyptian. Now, I don't know if he thought that, well, you know, I think I could kill one Egyptian at a time and deliver Israel. I don't know what he was thinking. But once he kills that Egyptian and buries him in the sand, somebody saw. And they tell the people in charge, and now they want to kill Moses. What does Moses do? Meep, meep, and he's gone, right? He goes to the desert for 40 years, 40 years. Uh, 40 years, okay, I was doing a five instead of a four there. 40 years he's there, death of vision. And he becomes a shepherd. What, a shepherd? Do you know that the Egyptians couldn't stand shepherds? They couldn't stand him at the time. And so there he is doing a job that he grew up in Egypt knowing this is the lowest of the low. And there he is. Why is God taking him through death of the vision? Because he's purging out all of Egypt. Amen? But he's prepping in what he needs to learn and to know to lead people. He's got to become a shepherd to lead these people, to shepherd them through the desert, right? Where he is at in that desert for 40 years thinking the vision's over, that's the very desert that he will lead 
these Israelites through later on. You follow me? So not only is there a purging out, and there's a prepping of him to be a shepherd, he's also learning the terrain of the land. He knows where the oasis are. He knows where not to go. He knows where to go. And so God is giving him experience. How many know that's important for excelling in life? You stick with things. You get better and better at what you do. He's got experience. And then one day, that burning bush is burning. And he goes, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight. And he goes up there and God says, you know what, <laughs> Moses, I know you thought you could be a shepherd for the rest of your life out in the desert. Not happening. You're going back now. It's time for you to fulfill the vision. And I'm going to fulfill it supernaturally. Pick up that stick. That's how we're going to do it. So there's death of vision. I'm sorry, vision, death of vision, supernatural resurrection of the vision. But you got to stick with it so God can purge out old stuff, prep in new stuff in your life. Joseph, he's now in the death of vision phase. He's in the part that's no fun. It's the test. Every word of God is tested. Now, what I'm going to do today, I'm going to try to make this clear today. I, I, I chose to do this from, um, from a promotion, pr promotion, from the idea of promotion. How many of you want to be promoted in life? Just be honest. It's okay to want that, okay? Your job, you want to be promoted, right? And so you do things to be promoted. You do the right stuff. We're going to look at how that happens in Joseph's life. And there's three C's that Joseph is going to live out. And they're the three C's that every boss, everyone above you looks at to see if you're developing in these things. And they are in this order. They are character, it is competency, and it is chemistry. Character, competency, and chemistry. Character always has to be at the top. We'll explain that later. So here we go. Genesis chapter 39, if you would turn there, please. It says this, point one is, it's the character test. The first test we're going to go through is character. That's what Joseph goes through. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Genesis 39. Now, it's on the screen. You have your Bibles open or on your app. Now, whatever translation you have, I want you to read out loud with me. Will you do that? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, good. Here we go. Because it's good to read Scripture out loud. Let's read it. Here we go. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard brought, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord, come on, was with, okay, let's back up, start that one again, it's a great line. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. We know that to be Potiphar. Now, I'm going to give you comments along the way in each one of these stations that we go through. I want you to think about this, though. He's like 17 when he gets to Egypt. He's a high school senior. We've talked about this last week. So he's young. He's away from home. Mom and dad not there. We know that his mom passed away giving birth to the younger brother, Benny. So, but he's away from parents. He comes from a world where you worship one God. There's only one God, the creator of the heaven and the earth and everything there is. He comes into Egypt. They worship about 1,500 false gods. All their gods come from nature itself. But Joseph, no, my God is the creator of all nature. So he worships the one true living God. 
But here he is out here in a foreign land, different culture, no accountability from parents, nothing whatsoever. He's like Daniel when Daniel was deported to um, Babylon. And Daniel is a young teenage boy too who's out there in a foreign land. In, in Babylon, there was a thousand temples to a thousand different idols. But he worships the one true God. So now you have a young man away from home and what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Now, <clears throat> some of you wanted to sing that song when I said that, right? That's what, what you going to do? No, I'm just joking. The young person, listen. You go off to college or you get a job, graduate, you get a job, you move out. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when there's no one watching you anymore? What are you going to do when now it's time for you to make your decision, do I live for God or do I not live for God? What are you going to do? Because now it's not about mommy and daddy taking you to church or telling you you got to go to church. Now you've got your decision to make. Now let me give you a little secret and I need all of us older people, I need you to back me up on this so young people understand it. The New Testament says, flee youthful lusts. Points of control. Older people, how many of us who have old habits and things we can't shake, we started doing that in our teens or early 20s? Raise your hand, older people. Raise it up, raise them up so they know. Look around, young people. Look around. It starts when you're young. And you may think, oh, it's not going to affect me. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. So what are you going to do? What decision are you going to make? Let me tell you what I know. Somebody trained Joseph up right, did they not? Somebody told him, we would say it in Christian circles like, well, they raised him up in church. They were a great example as parents of what Jesus Christ is all about. They talked about God at home. They prayed. They did all those things. They had the kid in fellowship, had him in youth group, had all those things. And I know some of you probably think, I did all those things and my child walked away from God. Fine, hold on. The verse says this. I'll give you an answer to that one right there. It says, train up a child in the way he should what? And go. So even when he's what? Old, he will what? Not depart from it. Now, old there, the idea of even when he's old is meaning even when he has a beard, when he's an adult. Now, let me tell you about your kid that's walked away from God, but you did everything right. You taught him right. I guarantee you the spirit of God and the word of God is still rattling around inside that kid. I don't care how old they are still rattling around in there and they can go to the ends of the earth and they can travel as far away from you as they want but they're going to be like the prodigal son aren't they one day they're going to lie in bed and realize I had it better at home I had it better in my father's house you know why because the word of God does not return void right it rattles around and rattles around until you finally going to submit to that word of God because you know it's better because you know it's better so take hope parents don't worry. Let the Spirit of God do what the Spirit of God does, and you keep praying. You keep praying. Somebody taught Joseph right, so when he gets out on his own, he doesn't turn his back on God. You know why that's so important? For this man's elevation to where he's going to get to in life? Because one day, to get out of his predicament, he's going to have to interpret a dream. Pharaoh calls him to interpret the dream, and he says, I heard you can interpret dreams. You know what Joseph says? No, it's God that interprets dreams. See, he's stuck with God. If he turned his back on God all those years, and one day Pharaoh says, hey, can you interpret dream? You think God would have spoken through Joseph to interpret the dream? No, because the prep work's not there. Because he hasn't prepared himself. He hasn't purged things out. 
You stick with God, God will work through you. Amen to that one? So there's a character element to life. You've got to develop character. Potiphar says, the Lord is with this guy. He sees it. Something's different about this guy. So Joseph doesn't throw away his character. The second one is the competency test. Now, Genesis 39, 2 and 3 says this. Would you read 2 and 3 with me? Everyone together, here we go again. 1, 2, 3. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a what? Successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. I like that a lot. Now, let me tell you this first. Let's get this out of the way. Why, I'll answer the question, but I'm going to pretend like I'm asking you, okay? Why is character above competency? No, I'm just joking. At the, I'm just joking. Why is character above competency? When you're young, you think you're going to hire a competent person and character will be second. And then you grow and you realize, no, character needs to be first. Right? Dating, you better understand characters first over competency. You better marry somebody with character because you're going to learn the hard way. Anybody know what I mean? Okay, so, see, you can hire somebody who can blow up the company and sales or whatever it is, make all the right, because they're so competent. But they can also blow up the company because they are angry, don't get along with people, they don't work well in a team, they are this, they are that. They can blow it up. Has anybody seen that? They got all the gift and ability in the world, but their emotional development, their emotional IQ, their character is not developed. That's why you always look at character first. Never underestimate what one man can do to an entire organization. All you have to do to substantiate that is go back to the book of Joshua and see a man named Achan. One man, one guy disobeys and he brings down thousands of Israelites because he just doesn't obey, because he doesn't have the character. So it's always character, then competency. Now, if you noticed, you noticed that um, Potiphar saw two things in Joseph. One, he saw that the Lord is with him. The word Lord means the self-existing one. It's Jehovah. So he sees the one true God activated in this man, young man, Joseph. But he also says, everything this guy touches, he's successful. Now, what you don't know at this juncture in the story is that Joseph is going to be thrust into multiple administrative positions even though he doesn't want to be there. Everything's against his will. But he's always being thrust in administrative positions. So now you begin to see, as we follow the story, you're going to see everywhere he goes, he rises to the top because he's administratively gifted. But everywhere he goes, the administrative gift demands bigger and bigger responsibility. Everywhere he goes, all the way till he becomes prime minister. So you all have gifts, and you all have abilities, every one of you. And you've got to allow those things over time, repetition, experience, they have to develop. So the first thing is, you better find out what you're gifted in. You better find out what you're going to be good at. And then from there, you start to apply yourself in those things. I had a, I, I, um, let me give two examples. Um, how many play guitar? Okay. How many can play lead guitar? Like lead licks and everything, can you do that? Anybody? You could do that, yeah. 
Okay, so I'm only jealous of one person in this room right now. I'm a strummer. I play guitar, but I'm a strummer. I can't, can you hear it? Can you hear the lead lick? Can you hear the notes? You can do it. It's okay to say yes to me, okay? Good. God bless you. Um, I'm not going to embarrass you anymore. Stand up. No, I'm just joking. I, I wish I could play lead guitar. I, I just wish I could, but I can't hear. You see Nick up here? I mean, he's your son, right? The garage is probably loud. You know that. I've seen that, right? Come over, and their garage is loud. It's like Nick's in there going, he thinks he's Joey Ramone or somebody. He's just going nuts, you know? I go, all right, Nick, way to go, all right? But I grew up with this. My son Dylan, lead guitarist. My son Nathan, a drummer. Our garage, loud. They're playing. I remember I came home one time, and I was young at that time, and it was in my early 40s. But anyway... And the neighbor across the street, they were like in their 70s. I, I remember I came home, and Nathan's in the, in, the, in the garage, and they're drumming away. And you know Michael Estrada, our music director, right? Oh, he was on, they had a punk band. I remember I come up, and the lady across the street, I pull up, and she looks at me, and she goes. <laughs> I go, don't, I'll take care of it, okay? I'll take, I had to calm those guys down. But I can't play lead guitar. I'm a strummer. If I try to make a career out of playing lead guitar, I would go nowhere in my life. I have to find out what I'm good at. I'm not good at many things. I think I'm a pretty good teacher of the Bible. I think, okay? So yeah, okay. No, I don't need any clapping. So, so I, 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 I do a lot of funerals. I, I, I do people in church. They're very difficult, but they're very, uh, they bring joy. I, I did it for Esther Gates this past Tuesday. She always sat in this area. I always shook my hand after service. She passed away. She's an older woman, real nice lady. And afterwards, I'm walking out. We had a really great celebration here, and we went to Riverside National Cemetery. I'm walking out, and somebody, I never met this man before. And he says, uh, you know, it's a great service and stuff like that. Uh, thank you. And, um, and he says, you know, I, I've got to do a eulogy for somebody can you give me some pointers on how to speak in public? How did you, how did you, how do you do this? I go, and I said, you mean after 42 years of public speaking, how do I do this? I've been doing it 42 years, and I'm only 44 years old. <laughs> nice try. Who said that, huh? And so, and I gave him a few pointers, but See, the whole thing is, it took a lot of experience to get here. I finally found out what I was supposed to do in my life. And then I embarked down that road, and I kept doing it, and you get better, and you get better, and you get better, until you're very competent at it. And he wanted me to give him my wealth of wisdom of 42 years in a second, and he's going to go out and do that. It doesn't work that way. But I did give him tips and pointers. Here, give, give this a try. And I walked away going, good luck. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I knew that. Now, here's what I want to point out about in this story that I think is really important. So Potiphar sees Joseph. He sees God is with him, character. He sees whatever he does, successful, competency. Right? You follow so far? Let's take the character part and what's going on here. What's the, um, what's the context that Potiphar is observing Joseph? work he's watching him on the job and he's watching him on the job and he's observing this guy how he does his job his attitude on the job he's observing him and he's learning things about 
young Joseph by watching him on the job. Question, what do people learn about you and me by observing us on the job? What kind of attitude do they see? What kind of work ethic do we have? See, there are plenty of people, and there are plenty of them that think they should be promoted. But they're not doing the best work they can. They have a bad attitude, and they complain about everything. You're not going to be promoted that way. It's not going to happen that way. Did you know God says this? It's through Paul, the apostle. Right, right. Look at it. Watch what he says about work. He says, whatever you do, do your work what? Heartily. Heartily, with all your heart. As for who? The Lord. Rather than for? That doesn't mean to go up to your boss and say, I'm doing this for the Lord, not for you. You do that, you're going to be out, okay? That's not going to work, all right? You know, I say that because somebody told me that one time. I go, I never asked you to do it for me, you know? Verse 24. Thank you for the laugh, okay? Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the? Oh, so God rewards. Oh, so God's watching. Of the inheritance, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Does God tie work to serving? Say yes. Yes, he does. Psalm 75, 6, promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the desert. It comes from God. Notice what I just did. East, west, desert. Desert is under his feet. That's south. East, west, south, but from God, north. It comes from above. 75, 6. It comes from God. That's all it ever comes from. You do your work heartily, you, heartily, you do it right, you have a good attitude, people will take notice of you, your gift begins to be refined, like Moses in the desert, you get better and better at it, and they're going to elevate you. But here's what I think is important. Don't you think that one day Potiphar finally said, what is it about Joseph? i got to ask him, why are you such a good employee? Why? I, and I know your story now. I know what your brothers did to you. I know how bad it was. Why do you have such a good attitude? Don't you think he finally asked him? And then don't you think Joseph finally said, well, let me tell you all about Yahweh God. I serve this God. See, we're called to be salt and light in the world. Are we not? Jesus said, so let your light shine before men in such a way that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen. Don't you want people to ask you because you're a good worker with a great attitude and you're not complaining and you're not telling the dirty jokes like everybody else and you're not talking about how you went partying because you didn't on Friday night. Don't you want to say, what is it with you? Why are you different? And then you get to tell them. And then you get to share why you are a different breed. Amen? competency. Now, let's go to the third one. That's chemistry. That's the chemistry. Um, yeah, chemistry test. I was thinking, yeah, I've taken chemistry tests. No, this is chemistry. Look at verses 4, 5, and 6. I want you to read them with me, whatever version you have or on the screen. Here we go. One, two, three. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal. Wow. And he made him overseer over what? His house. And what? Say all. Say it again. All that he owned. He put in his charge, verse 35, verse 5, it came about that from the time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house. 
on account of Joseph. Why don't, wouldn't you want it to be said of you that wherever you go, the blessing comes? Don't you want that? And people notice it? Okay, okay. On account of Joseph. Thus, the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the you're going out and you're coming in you know that Deuteronomy verse some of you verse 6 so he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge isn't it great some of you bosses isn't it great to have an employee that you can trust that you can take up for a week or two and say I can trust that guy or gal they're going to run the business right and you know what they're going to eventually pay you right because you could do that and you've given the boss peace now and with him there with Joseph he did not concern himself with anything except what the food which he ate did you know the Egyptians in that era of time were particular about their food so Potiphar is all like well I'm just gonna you know is it what's it gonna be is it gonna be carnitas tacos what what is it tonight but then the last line they just kind of insert it in there but it's a big line now Joseph was what handsome in form in appearance so now we find out Joseph's what good looking guy huh that's gonna play next week when he runs into Potiphar's wife Mrs. Robinson okay (laughs) it's gonna be wild next week so what you find in the story is Joseph has moved from in the house, lowest level servant, now he's overseer. As overseer, is he dealing with all the servants? You better believe. Is he dealing with the boss? So is there chemistry from Joseph to deal with everybody? That's a great employee, isn't it? That's someone you elevate. They got character, they know how to do competency, they got experience, and they know how to work with people. You want to elevate in life, those are the three C's right there. They're very simple, but they take time to develop, don't they? And they take testings of life to develop and to get there. Now, <clears throat> Joseph does all this even though the past has been terrible to him, which I love because does he play the victim? Does he play the victim? Not at all. Not at all. Don't play the victim. You live in a great country where there's opportunity. Don't play the victim. And don't expect somebody else to do it for you. You go make it happen. Okay? You go do it. Don't listen to the culture. God's requiring you to be responsible, you to do it. You know, freedom is great, but it requires responsibility, doesn't it? Once they left Egypt, remember that? They get out there. They've been screaming for freedom for 400 years, weren't they? They get out there in the desert, and then what happens? Oh, who's going to give us food? Who's going to give us water? We need to go back to Pharaoh. He'll do for us. What they just say? I want somebody else to do for me because I'm a victim. No, 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 no. Now, let me tie it all together this way. In the Old Testament, there's a story about three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Ever heard of those guys? How many of you heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Raise your hand. Okay, good. The rest of you are going to be treated to this story. Okay. They they were like the first three members of the Beatles before they got Ringo. So, no, no, they were. So Daniel and a bunch of people get deported to Babylon, like 602, 605, 606 B.C. I can't remember exactly. And when they get there, they're good good Jewish young boys. They're teenagers. And the Babylonians, they always took the best and the brightest, re-educated them because they want to put them in high positions because they want the best and the brightest. 
So I'm going to see you guys. The three friends of Daniel, their names are changed along with Daniel. That is his name changed to, to a Babylonian name. They take on, they were given these names. They didn't want it. But their names are changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, one day, Nebuchadnezzar, he decides that uh, we're going to make a golden image about, of himself. 90 feet, 9 inches tall. How many know that's a big golden image? Right? So, I think Nebuchadnezzar's a little bit in love with himself, right? But then he says, get the band together. Because the moment the band strikes up, everybody is going to fall down and worship the golden image that's made in my image, Nebuchadnezzar said. And if you don't bow down and worship it, you're going to die. You're going to die. So now the pressure's on, right? There's a pressure before the pressure because now you know, and if you have family, I can't do that, but I have family, I know they're going to kill me, but I'm not going to bow to the idol. That's the first pressure. Before you get to the pressure of the moment when you have to bow or stand. Well, they can't bow because they serve Yahweh God, the only true living God. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. So everybody's brought in there. Sidebar, if you read in Daniel 3, you find the word magistrates. The magistrates are brought in. Brought in. You know who those guys are? They would be like our judicial system today. So guess what? Government now in that day is saying judicial system must bow to government and do what government says. Is that crazy or what? Is that moving that way or what? It's happened off and on through history in different places. And the moment that's eliminated, the moment government takes power over the judicial system, we're in big, big trouble. Big trouble. And they're moving that way now. They're trying anyway. Hopefully they don't get, they don't get their way. Now, the music strikes up. Everybody bows down to the image. And everything's done. And somebody says, hey, where's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They aren't here to bow down. Let's go find those guys. Nebuchadnezzar's mad. And he bowed down to the image. They bring him in. They say, you didn't bow down. You got to bow down. And they say, we're not bowing down. And they say this to him. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We're not bowing down to the image. Our God will deliver us. And even if he doesn't deliver us, we're not bowing down. How many of us throw in the towel and our God doesn't deliver us like right now, huh? These guys are grown-ups in the, in the spirit. They're, growing, they're mature in the faith. I'm not bowing down. My God doesn't have to prove it to me that he's alive by, by doing what I want in the moment. He's already proven that he loved me by going to a cross and rising from the dead. He's the God man. I don't need any other proof. You follow me? That's the difference between a Christian and a disciple. You don't need any. You know the evidence is there. He's the God man. We're not bowing down. He says, okay, you're not bowing down. You're going to die. Bind them up. They tie them up with ropes. He says, Get that furnace of fire. It's a big old furnace. Heat it seven times hotter. We're throwing those guys in. They heat it seven times hotter. Here they are bound up. And the guys who are pushing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego toward the flames, and here's the opening, it's so hot, the flames come out and burn the guys who are holding, bound up, 
uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fall into the furnace, bound up. And the other guys burn alive outside of the furnace. And they think, okay, they're dead. We got rid of them. And then somebody says, hey, uh, uh, Nebi, you better look at this. They're walking, they're walking around inside the furnace. What? What have you been smoking? You better look. They're walking around in the furnace. And the, the ropes have burned off, but they're not burned up. And somebody here, just in case, you're going to think, you Christians believe the wildest stories. No, no. I believe in the God that science has proven this universe created from nothing. It had to be something timeless, spaceless, immaterial, all-powerful, personal to make the decision, and a mind we call God, which proves Genesis 1-1. Our God who created everything out of nothing. You tell me he can't preserve somebody in a furnace of fire? You tell me he can't raise a God-man from the dead? He created everything from nothing. And then they keep looking. These guys are unbound. And then they say this. Hey, uh, Nebi, didn't we throw three guys in there? Yeah, we did. He goes, there's a fourth guy in there now. And they're all walking around. What? And then they say, and the fourth guy is like the son of man. Well, you ever remember the title given to Jesus, Son of Man? That's a God title. That's a Messianic God title. There's somebody in there. There's a God figure in there. It's the pre-incarnate Christ. Before Jesus came and took flesh. Jesus always existed. He always was. He only came at that moment in time, took flesh, took a body. So Jesus is walking around there with these guys. He says, get those guys out now. Now let me, I got a question. I'm going to tell you three things and I'm going to drive it home and we'll be done. So they're taken out. Here's my question that you got to think about when it comes to the tests of life. Did God deliver them out of the fire or did he deliver them while they were in the fire? While they were in the fire. See, we always want God to deliver us out of the fire. Oh, don't let me go through the fire. No, God delivered them while they're in the fire. While they're in the test. While they're experiencing it. Never forget that in your life. Otherwise, you're going to give up on God because you think, what God, God, you should have delivered me before the flame ever hit me. No, he's going to deliver you in the fire, in the test. Because he's purging out, he's prepping in get you ready for something in your life now think about why these three young men why all this why they survived everything first off did they bow to the image no they didn't I'm willing to lay down my life but I'm not for, for God I'm not bowing to your image I'm not bending to that so they don't bow they're sticking with God Yahweh when they go in the fire did they burn up alive or just the ropes burn off? Oh, wow. So they're purged. The bondages fall off. Huh. So now there's growth. Old things that bound them are taken off them. How many would like that? That happened in the fire. And then 
There's a fourth guy in there. We know that as Jesus Christ. They know it as some kind of God figure when they're saying somebody like the Son of Man. Don't you want this thing here where people see you in the flame and the fire of testing of life and they see the God-man walking with you? They see Jesus Christ in you? Don't you want that? Don't you want that? Because when they see that, they're going to ask you the question, what is it? See, Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. We manifest God in our lives through the testings and trials. They bring him out. You know what Nebuchadnezzar, this idol-worshiping king of Babylon says? He says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your God is God. And then he says, I issue a decree if anyone anyone says anything bad about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're in big trouble now. Nobody says anything about him now because he's God. And I see it. And I see it. Nebuchadnezzar puts his faith in God, Yahweh. He does. You read the stories. And that's our life. When you're in the testing, yeah, you're going to be tested to elevate, to get to a, to a place in life. That's guaranteed if you stick with the test and make it through. But it's also to be a light and a witness to others. That's what Joseph was to Potiphar. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were to Nebuchadnezzar. And that's when your life gets really exciting, when people see that God is alive in you, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation. And now they will ask you the questions, and you get to give the answers. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord. I, I don't know what it would be like to go through the fires of life without you. To be all alone in the fires, the testings. But to know that you're with me in those fires. You're the fourth man. Oh, it's such a comfort. Look. I don't know where you're at with Jesus. But I know the times are troubling right now. And I think it's a great time to place your faith in Christ. To finally make him your only God. Because he is the only God. There's, all the other ones are fakes. They're false. He's the God man who came down, went to a cross, and carried your sins and mine. Because it's our sins that separate us from God the Father. It's our sins that will send us to hell. say, well, Jim, I don't believe in a God who would send people to hell. God doesn't. We send ourselves. People choose to go there. They have an opportunity. They can make a choice to follow Christ. They just choose to go there, the other way. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus, to make him your God, and not bow to any other gods, not bow to any other way. So if you'd like to place your faith in Christ, we'd be ecstatic for you. I did it 42 plus years ago and I've never looked back. I've never regretted it. So if you'd like to place your faith in Christ, right now is your moment. Or if you backslid and you want to come back to Christ, great. 
It's time to quit bowing to all the things out there. Now bow to, bow to Jesus and live by the word of God. If you would like to place your faith in Christ, rededicate your life, I want you to do this one thing right now. I want you right where you're sitting, open up your eyes and look up at me. I'm going to look back at you. And once our eyes meet, you can close them. But do it right now. Just, just do it right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Mm-hmm. God bless you. Yes. God bless you. God bless you. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes, yes. Yes. Now, I'm going to say this prayer. And those who looked up at me, I want you to say it out loud with, after me. Everyone who's a Christian here, say it with us. So they, they don't feel alone. Because Christianity is a fellowship of faith. It's a family of God. But when you repeat this prayer, those who looked up, put your faith in Jesus. New Testament writer Paul writes, if I confess with my mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in my heart God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. That's what you're going to do right now. So here we go, all together. Repeat now. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would die for me. You would give your life in place of mine. Thank you. You would shed your blood to forgive me of my sins. Thank you. I place my faith in you. I trust you as my only God, Savior, Lord, and Messiah. Thank you for saving me. So today, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Now let me pray, friends. I just, I, I just pray in the name of Jesus. I pray for you who looked up. Follow Christ. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. Don't bow to any other things. Get into the Bible. Get a Bible you can understand. Stay in the New Testament for a couple years. Stay in that New Testament for a couple years. Read about Jesus and Jesus only. About the one who saved you. Get into church. Worship God. Repent. Turn away from sin. Because now you have the Holy Spirit in you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that heaven rejoices over anyone who repents and comes to you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen and amen. amen. Would you stand up with me, everybody, please? If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco. 
or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.